Welcome to Politics and Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning to the great state of Texas. And good morning to the United States of America. And of course, good morning to the entire world. Good morning to wherever our 100,000 watt transmitter gets its tentacles into all. Texas is a huge state. Northeast and Southeast Texas, Northwest Louisiana. We're happy to have you. Anyway, good morning. I heard you're flying solo this morning. El Senor Jacques Van Beber. Yeah, uh, Howard's out uh, shooting some film again, making him some some something to live on. Well, that's that's great. That's what that's something we got to do. That's something we got to do. And uh, we all know that we work on a very, very meager budget here at KPFT. So um, that is great. But anyhow, uh, my brother, uh, guys, the newsletter didn't go out until about 545 instead of five o'clock because I didn't push the right button when I programmed it to go out at five in the morning. When I got up this morning looking for it, it's like, where is the newsletter? Where is the newsletter? It hadn't gone out, so I just pushed the button. But remember, folks, you can read it online, politicsandright.com slash newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. So anyway, Jack, anything you got to tell me before we get started here? Yeah, uh, you know, Arnie Arneson dropped out a little early, a little explanation for the people out there in KPFT land. Uh, She dropped out a little early, so we put in some jazz and a little bit of Beatles to cover the cover the space there and uh you know we're ready for a program i've got a got a little little thing i wrote up here let me hear it you know we always uh, we can't start the morning without your wisdom jack well maybe maybe without confusing the people on on everything (laughs) (laughs) okay this is conservation versus consumption The way people can beat back the corporate fascist influence is to change from wide open consumption to conservation. The people's spending habits have an effect on the economy. You can save your money. You can put off major purchases. If done collectively, the people could slow down the profit moving up the chain. Besides your vote, this is the second most powerful tool the people have to affect change in the, in our government that slow down their money brother let me tell you you are so right and you know something we've talked we've spoken as activists about things like having general strikes and that sort of thing but you know what uh what you just talked about is the perfect answer think about this we are a country that promotes consumption If you watch your TV and all the ads, you know, we promote consumption. And look, inherently, consumption isn't bad if the spoils of said consumption came back to all of us, right? In other words, we like like new things. We like to do things. Uh, Let's start doing, getting our new things in an environmentally safe manner. But at the same time, as we do more, as we we have the ability to consume more and create more, why not make sure that the rewards from all that consumption is shared evenly across, you know, uh, across those consumers. And that's not the case. I mean, you nailed it when you say, Hey, let's stop consuming for a while. And the reality is 
we could decide uh, collectively that if we want to uh, stay, give it to the, if we want to put the plutocracy in its place, let it understand that it's not uh, a hierarchical system where they're on top and decide, but that this is a, this is a place of stakeholders and we all have equal stakes in the success, then we probably would get differences. You see what you did to me again, Jack? You, you gave me a few words to go ahead and expand on, brother. You did it again. You did yeah. it again. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, you no, did, I, but... I, this is something that's been on my mind, you know. People, people think that they, they have only their vote right. to, uh, to affect change with. And, you know, if, if we applied this to, to the insurance model and if everybody quit sending in their premiums, you know, we'd have single payer in about six months. Yes, yes, I agree 100%. There are times that we have to say, you know, we'll let, we'll let the system do the talk, talking. Let us do the talking. Look, I am glad you brought that up. I may touch on some of that further in the discussions that we're going to have today. So first, let me give you what the title of the show today is. And then I'm going to go into, I have to say something about our brother Obedike, who's no longer with us. But uh the title of the program today is Outrage Over Bigotry, Islamophobia in Wall Street Journal and New York. Actually, that's the title of the article that I'm actually positing. The actual title of the show, and I went ahead and lost my substack, meaning my newsletter. So as we speak here, I'm pulling up our newsletter. And the title of the show today is, and by the way, folks, you can go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter to pick it up. Title of the show is Stop the Misinformation about Trump versus Biden Economy and Bigotry and Islamophobia at Lib Papers. There's nothing liberal about these newspapers or news channels as some on the right would have you believe. But anyhow, before we get started, and folks, stay with me. We've got a good show for you today. Well, we always have a good show for you. Uh, good morning, Alistair Waters in Conroe, Texas. Great to have you here, beautiful. All right. Uh, we're Obedike Kumau. He was for a while one of our general managers at KPFT. He also had several programs here at KPFT uh, that he did. He did one with Akua and, and he did a few others here at KPFT. Uh, he left us. Uh, early last week or late the week before and um, you know we it was just a shocker because none of us had an idea that Ovedike would be leaving us this soon uh well on february saturday february 24th between the hours of 11 a.m and 1 p.m uh there will be a memorial service for Ovedike Kamau at the Shrine of the Black Madonna Cultural Center, the Red Room, uh, the Red Room. It's at 5309 Martin Luther King Boulevard. Again, that is 5309 Martin Luther King Boulevard. Una vez más, 5309 MLK Boulevard. And that is again Saturday, February 24th, 2024, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And dessert will be served between 1.30 and 2 p.m. Uh, according to the, the, the thing I'm reading here, the insert, it says, to leave your reflections regarding Dr. Kamau, send them to o, uh, o Kamau 
110. That is O-K-A-M-A-U-110 at gmail.com. Please have remarks in by Friday, February 14th, I mean, February 16th for display at the memorial service. Thank you for your love and support. The family of Dr. Obedike Kamau. Again, that will be Saturday, February 24th, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We will have our service. Now, this weekend, was an, we actually had another memorial service for one of our stalwarts here, uh, David Atwood and his wife, uh, Priscilla Atwood. And we, we had a great memorial service for him. Uh, which I recorded. You can reach that memorial. <clears throat> you can watch the memorial service. I taped it. Uh, you can go to um, uh, hpjc.org. That's the Houston Peace and Justice Center website, hpjc.org. We have the tribute that we had to that wonderful person who worked with the prison show, worked on 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 uh, many very you know, Alianza Latina Internacional, he worked with them and he worked with so many other people. Uh, David Atwood will be surely miss, as well as Obedike Kamau. I will uh, get over there on the 24th to live stream that as well, like I did with Brother Atwood. So um, we've lost two stalwarts here at KPFD, but you know what? Um, we honor them by making sure we continue to be as good as we're supposed to be, as good as you, that you demand that we are. And we will continue that work as they were with their work. Let's go ahead before I get started to the phones with Stephen. Come on in, Stephen. Oh, yes. How are you doing today? Hello. Yeah, go, Stephen, go ahead and turn your, your radio down so that we don't get the feedback, please. Okay, I'm I'm terribly sorry about that. No, that's all right, Stephen. Not a problem. That's all right. Right. Okay. Go ahead. All right, I'm, I'm sorry for that. Uh, as you well know, uh, OBDK and I were, were very close. Uh, and to say he'd be sorely missed is is uh, an understatement, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, I love the man dearly. And uh, the last thing that we worked on together was the uh, podcast that he had, Information Activist. And uh, we enjoyed each company, each other's company outside of uh, that program. And the last I seen him was in December. And uh, I lost track of him at that point. I tried to get in touch with him, and uh, I got soft news from uh, Anil that he had in fact passed at that point. But yeah, well, uh, I just wanted—he was a great guy. Well, look, I want to give you as well our well. We share condolences to each other for having lost. Uh, such a, a, a great guy. Uh, Obedike was the first Houston uh, uh, host to host me when I uh, wrote the book, As I See a Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right-Wing Doom. And I would forever, he, he interviewed me for his self-determination program. 
And I will forever be thankful for him, given that exposure that um, that that he gave when that book came out. So um, you, I feel your pain. And again, I love the guy. I worked for the guy at one point when he was the general manager of this station, and Bye. we always had a great report. So thank you so call, uh, kindly for calling in, uh, Stephen. You have a wonderful rest of your day, sir. You do the same, and uh, I look forward to your uh, uh, your report on his uh, his memorial. I, I will, sir. Thank you so kindly, my friend. You have a wonderful day. Anyhow, folks, uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, uh, later on, I'll repeat the information about the Obedike's memorial. But anyhow, let's get started. As I said, the title of the show today is "Stop the Misinformation About Trump." The uh, versus Biden economy, bigotry and Islamophobia at live papers. I have two videos. I'm going to try to get them out uh, because it's a premise that I want to make for the program proper. And do remember, it is a call in show. 713-526-5738 is somehow we change uh, the model of the program. Well, this is your show. So let's go ahead and get started with the, the, the piece that I did. And it starts with the the latest jobs report. Let's take that and then we'll take it on the other side. The new jobs report is out and it is bombastic. It is ridiculous. It's more than twice what the ex or around twice what the expected number was supposed to be. Nobody expected it. And again, the economists were all wrong. Let me let you first hear the little piece where it was broken this morning. And then we're going to talk a little bit about economics. Let's check it out. And then we'll take it on the other side. Breaking news on the economy. This economy, we've been saying it here for, for six months now. It's just a crazy, strong economy. The Fed has tried to tamp it down tried to like throw water on it. It's just on fire and it continues uh, like red hot. This is a staggering number that just crossed. Yeah, We're going to talk to Andrew crazy. Ross Sorkin in just a moment. We'll give you the numbers first. The U.S. economy added 355,000 jobs last month. Almost double the expectation. The expectation from experts was 180,000, up to 353. And by the way, the December number was revised up to 333,000. So the last couple of months have been incredibly strong. Uh, 15 million almost now jobs added since President Biden took office and we're well over pre-pandemic. So yep. this isn't about the post-pandemic recovery. This is about a growing economy, well past the number of jobs we had before the pandemic even. Yeah. And, and Chris, we're in February. Yeah. The election's not until November. If we continue on this track, we've seen, I mean, the numbers all keep going up, inflation coming down. Most importantly, those University of Michigan uh, surveys on, on, on confidence of, of consumers shooting up, uh, right now, uh, these are the sort of things. There's a separation in the polls between uh, Joe Biden's approval ratings and and what what people are thinking about the economy. That goes away. All right, let, let's let's be clear here. This is not surprising. The economists at this point in time are out of their leagues. Well, I'm talking about the neoliberal type economists. Okay, the real economists, the ones like St uh, Stephanie Kelton or uh, let's say Richard. Wolf, who we've interviewed here several times, these guys truly understand economics, right? 
Because here is the deal. Under the conservative plans, under the neoliberal plans, which means moderate democratic plans as well, the idea is that in the case of conservatives, you give all the monies up to the top and somehow it's going to trickle down. That's their concept. It has never worked. The laugher curve has always been a laugh. Okay, it was always just funny that anybody could of any sense of of any form or intelligence would believe the validity of the Laffer curve. But let's leave that alone. The neoliberals. Yes, they believe in giving a little bit of peanuts to the masses to prevent them from starving. But then again, they are they do culture the wealthy class. They do culture the capitalists. But the true progressive. That person who really sees the value in work, that person who really sees the values for those who actually attain something, complete something, build something, innovate something. The the ones who believe that innovation is the average person who innovates and not the one who pays them to innovate. Right. There's a difference because the one who pays them to innovate gets the spoils from said innovation. But by definition, that tells you that innovation does not require the payments of the spoils because so far in our economic system, we have learned how to give away the spoils to the top. You never hear the engineer saying, I created that particular type of material. And Joe Blow, who owns stock in this company, is making a permanent living off of the dividends from my creation as I got paid once. You see, when the Powell memo came out, it came out to make most Americans dumb. It came out to say, you need to understand that the reason why the rich guy who creates nothing has to make a profit is so that innovation can continue. And he is the one who pays the innovator for said innovation. So doesn't it make sense for us to get rid of the one who pays the innovator to innovate and make sure that the innovator collects for his own spoils? Again, that is where this new economic system that we are talking about is a, it's all about what you saw. The reason why the Biden economy thus far has been successful is two economic policies, Keynesian economics and MMT, modern monetary theory. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Stephanie Kelton's explanation of modern monetary theory and the slacks in our economic system explains what we are seeing right now. Yes, Biden deficit spent like a drunken sailor, but he deficit spended the amount of money the economy had the slack for, such that absent corporate greed, the inflation rate at this point in time is non-existent. You say, oh, Egberto, but it's, uh, it's 3% or so. No, it's not the inflation rate that's at 3%. It's the corporate greed rate that's at 3%. We need to call it the CGR. The CGR is at 3%.
nothing else. We have a glut of oil all over. We, there, we are floating in oil. There's no reason for the price of oil to be where it's at right now. CGR, remember that corporate greed index. Well, I call it the corporate greed rate, right? CGR, 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 just not inflation rate, but corporate greed rate. So going forward, the next time another activist or somebody tells you about, well, how are we going to explain the inflation rate? You ask them a simple question. What inflation rate? There is no inflation. What we have is CGR. Okay, remember that we are going to be speaking going forward about C-G-R, period. You know what is so funny? I thought about CGR as I was actually doing that monologue and the, 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 the corporate greed rate when I was trying to find another name for inflation. But here's the thing, guys. I want to, I want to make an, a, a quick addendum to that piece, however. And the addendum is as follows. The, the job creation is there. The amount of people working are there. All these things are true. But Americans are still, the worker are still feeling some pains. And those pains, however, didn't start with uh, Biden. It didn't start with Trump. It didn't start with Obama. It didn't start with Bush. It didn't start with Clinton or Bush. It started just with Reagan. And we put ourselves on the path where most of the spoils, even with almost full employment, most of the spoils because of the structural defect of our economy goes to the top. I'm putting this clarification here because I have some friends that are that will hear me talk about Biden's economy and how good it is, and they're going to call me a traitor. And they're going to say, how can you say that while the, the middle class people are not doing as well or they're for, uh, 60% if a 400 bill comes up for 60%, they're in dire straits. My my brother and sister activists are actually 100% correct, but I'm, I'm trying not to mix apples and oranges. On the same playing field with Bush, Obama, Clinton, Biden, uh, and, uh, and Reagan, same playing field, supply-side economics, what Biden instituted that kept this economy from going into the regular pattern of recession bust, recession inflation, recession bust, is because the pandemic allowed him to institute the spending policies that otherwise would not have occurred. The next question is, how are these policies implemented? Are they implemented just to buy food and give money away, or are they, are they implemented as investments? And one of the things that we can say about the way the Biden tax plans were written is a lot of them were written as investments. When we have the fixing uh, the, the, the policies for bringing back semiconductors here in the America and investing, imagine the government investing in the private sector to build uh, semiconductor plants. Of course, let me give you a kicker, guys. These semiconductor plants that are going to be taking advantage of all our money, the government money. That the ones that always say when you do that with the average American citizens is, is socialism. Right now, the way the laws are written, they still take the spoils. But if we elect, if we don't fall for the crap and elect the right people, the right progressives, 
the spoils from all this investment. Remember I said it's investment. These, these, this spending that they did, a lot of it went into investing, investing in green energy, investing in, in, uh, investing in semiconductors, investing in electrification. All these things were investments that will continue to pay off year after year after year. What we have to elect politicians to do is to make sure that those investments that we've spent several trillion dollars over the pandemic investing in to reinflate the economy, that the spoils don't do what they always do, go right back to the top. And we already see some of that happening. Uh, The Democrats and Republicans came together on a bipartisan bill. And this bipartisan bill to to, to give basic, something like basic income, child care, to give a child that are impoverished some money. The only way the Republicans joined the team is we had to give more tax cut to the rich fat cat corporations. So we're still not there yet because we still haven't elected the right people. Before I go to the next video, I want to add something though, because the MSN, the NBC poll just came out. And that NBC poll showed that Americans believe by a 55 to 30 something margin that Donald Trump, a guy who couldn't even run his own business, is better for the economy. Here we have Biden's economy and all the numbers going through the roof for the policies that he signed into law. And 55% of Americans, over 35% of Biden, as opposed to 35 who believe Biden would be better for the economy. 55% of Americans believe Trump would create a better economy. Now, Americans can only think that way if there is that, if, if there is a concerted effort to misinform Period. I I know a lot of people are going to say, well, look, it's what I buy at the grocery store. It's more expensive. All of that is true. But that didn't start with Biden. And what one has to ask is why the hell the Biden's machine isn't counteracting that information out there that would make people plausibly believe that plausibly. Donald Trump somehow has something that he knows and the people that he follows would create an economy that is better for the American citizenry. When we know categorically both from what he has been before, from the failure of every single one of his companies, that the guy doesn't really have much upstairs. I I, I want all of you to understand this. 55% of Americans saying that. Now, look. A lot of in that number could be, well, they just don't like Bush because he's old. He kind of acts old, etc. You know, that may be the case. I don't know. But one of the goals that we have to have here, you know, shows like mine as well, is for us to be able to, 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 to really inform, really inform. And I, I, along with a whole lot of little operations like what we have here, are going to try our level best because again it's not about blaming the american people for thinking what they think but blaming for those who have the platforms and not doing the necessary work 
to inform. Americans are such hard workers. They're working so hard. All that employment that you see, 355,000 new jobs as opposed to the 155 that was expected. That's people working hard. Some people taking second jobs because things are so rough, they have to work hard. They don't have time to think straight. They have time to just listen to somebody on the radio or the TV or on the internet that they trust. And that's why we're trying to flood the internet, flood the TV with factual truth-based information so that we don't screw up and make a mistake in 2024 that if you make on bad premises, hurts us all. And I mean, hurt us all. Anyway, the telephone number is 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. If anybody wants to call now, do it in the next 35 to 40 seconds. Because I have a 11, well, actually, it's a 10 minute and 20 second video with, with a, with, uh, that I need to put out. And if I don't get a call within the next 30 seconds, I'm going to start the video, which means you'll be on hold for that 10 minutes before I can get to you. 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. I'll hold off for another 15 seconds before I start the video in case somebody wants to call in. You know, you take precedence. For those of you uh, who want to get to the other subjects that we're going to be talking about, remember to go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. Okay, the phone hasn't rung, so I am going to go to that, uh, the second video that I have. And this is important. Well, the phone just rang. As I said, the phone didn't ring. So I'm going to wait a minute before I get to the video so that I can handle this call. And after I handle this call, I'll go to the video because, like I said, uh, you come first. But, folks, it's important that we not just think about the things we've learned all our lives. Uh, we have to make sure that it was truthful what we are, we're learning. Okay, Harry, come on in for one minute before I get a, uh, I start the program. Come on in, sir. How are you doing this morning, my brother? Oh, I'm doing good, Roberto. Um, I like what you're saying there about the economy, and I'm glad that you are a law professor. I said L professor. Sorry, I made that because <laughs> that's for a woman. L professor Roberto Willis teaching us about giving us his usual economics 101 lesson. Um, I was listening to on NBR, I think last week, and they were talking about Donald Trump and uh, saying that how. People think he's better for the economy. But right. I went over to this woman, this woman economist on NPR, and under um, uh, on Trump's um, economy, he, the, the economy grew in his term about maybe three percent. He said it was going to he was going to get it to grow six percent. He said he was going to pay down the national debt. Well, in in, in uh, the deficit, I should say, and. Because uh, in um, eight years, well, you never got eight years, and he ended up the national deficit started to go up under him, and he ran up the debt, and they talked about the tariffs. That hey, he Harry, put on. Harry, right. I don't want to cut you at all, but I I, I need to for I this reason only. Let me just tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because what you're talking about, I want you to hear it in the piece as as presented. So, uh, give us a shout later. Uh, let me get this piece out for our audience, and we'll talk. Okay, all right, I'm brother. Listen and learn some more, and we'll talk some more. Thank you, my brother. Okay. I appreciate you. All right, let's go ahead and listen to that this new video. Here's the deal, folks. Trump had 
a terrible economy. He gave this, uh, he inherited a great economy from, from uh, Obama. And after he got that economy from Obama, he gave all these tax cuts to mostly wealthy people. We all know the story. It's cliche now. It's cliche now. However, let's be frank. The economy started to go south before the pandemic. But he still likes to say that during his economy, it was the best economy ever. That's what he said. Now, here's the truth. And if you take a look at what Chris Hayes has to say here, the charts are all there for everybody to see in the periods in which he selected. So listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. 2024 and the American economy is back, baby. You don't have to take my word for it. As we've been covering for months on this show, there has been and is a, a gap, lingering gap between the way the economy is actually performing based on every metric we have, which is incredibly well, and the way voters say they feel about the economy, which has been quite pessimistic. And every day brings some new bit of data that demonstrates that the American economy is roaring. Today, it is this chart, which you might call the GDP Olympics. Of all of the most developed economies on Earth, which one do you think is growing the fastest? Well, it's Joe Biden's United States by a lot. That big green bar at the top is our GDP here in the good old U.S. of A. You see how much bigger it is than all the others? The U.S. is literally the best economy in the world. Last year, our economy grew much faster than Japan, the second best economy more than double the rate of Canada in a distant third. Not only that, but we are projected to blow the competition out of the water again this year. And this is just one data point among many. Wages in real terms, real wages, the amount of actual purchasing power are rising. Inflation, by some measures, is falling below the Fed's target with an anticipation they may start cutting interest rates. Investment in manufacturing has now set record highs. New business formation, that's people making small businesses, has set record highs. Household wealth has set a record high. And today, amid all this good news, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell got just about as enthusiastic as it is possible for a central banker like him when discussing the state of the U.S. economy. The labor market, 3.7% uh, unemployment indicates that the labor market is strong. We've had just about two years now of, of unemployment under 4%. That hasn't happened in 50 years. So it's a good labor market. And we've seen inflation come down. We've talked about that. So we've got six months of good inflation data and an expectation that there's more to come. So this is, this is, a, this is a good situation. Let's be honest. This is, a, this is a good economy. The last three years, the Biden administration has essentially, get this, put us back on track economically in a better spot than if COVID hadn't happened. I want to say that again, okay? As the White House noted a few weeks ago, quote, the level of U.S. real GDP in 2023 even exceeded some pre-pandemic forecasts, including that of the Congressional Budget Office and the IMF. That's right. The economy did better last year than the economic projection showed before the pandemic, before COVID, when nobody knew there would be this cataclysmic event and recession in 2020. Back in 2019, the Congressional Budget Office, for example, thought GDP would grow by an average of 1.7% in 2023. Again, looking out into the future, not knowing there's going to be a pandemic. It actually grew at 2.5%. 
And speaking of the pandemic, Trump and his supporters often argue it's unfair to compare Biden's economy to Trump's since, again, COVID tanked the world economy in 2020. But here's the thing. If you ignore 2020, Joe Biden was not president, Donald Trump was, but let's just throw it out, okay? If you ignore 2020, the economy under Biden is still doing better than Trump's was. Take away COVID, give him a mulligan. As the Washington Monthly notes, quote, under Biden from January 2022 to December 2023, employment grew at an average annual rate of 2.4% compared to a 1.5% rate under Trump from January 2017 to February 2020. So again, if you bend over backwards to give Donald Trump the most favorable comparison possible, where you completely take him off the hook for the economy tanking under his watch when he was president due to COVID, and you ignore the first year of the Biden presidency when they had the huge boom as the world reopened, take that all off the board, Joe Biden's economy is still whooping Trump's butt. So the question becomes, if the economy is doing so well, why don't voters think it is? And I think that's starting to change. There are basically two reasons. So one thing you got to realize is simple partisanship. Republicans will never give a Democrat credit for a good economy. And while there's the same thing, vice versa and reverse, it's asymmetric, which is to say Democrats are more willing to give Republicans credit. So here, here's just one example. And there's a lot of charts that look like this. Just days after the networks called the 2020 election for Joe Biden, there's a poll asking Democrats and Republicans how they felt about the economy going forward. And suddenly, in that red line, Republicans feel very pessimistic about the economy. Democrats start to feel better. This is before Joe Biden was even sworn into office. But if you stay with this graph for a second, one thing I want you to notice there, the drop by Republicans is way more than the gain in Democrats. You see that? Like, Republicans are way more partisan in their view of the economy than Democrats, even though both sides are pretty partisan. But for other folks who not, might not be very partisan or political, there's just a lag. There is a lag between when the economy starts to improve in the numbers and when people feel it, when they feel more secure. That lag is starting to go away. You can see it in consumer confidence numbers, which are improving. This is a problem for the Republicans because they want the economy to do poorly under Joe Biden. We have an economy that's so fragile. And the only reason it's running now is it's running off the fumes of what we did, what the Trump administration, it's just running off the fumes. And when there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months. Because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. The one president, I just don't want to be Herbert Hoover. So Trump hasn't gotten his wish with the stock market, even though he's rooting for it to crash. The stock market is booming. The Dow is setting record highs. The economic recovery is so good that even Fox has to, like, begrudgingly acknowledge it. Now take a look at this headline in the Washington Post. We'll bring it to you again because it was a, a kind of a standout. It says, falling inflation and rising growth gives the U.S., the world's best recovery. Steve Forbes with me this morning. I think the Democrats are going to run with that headline. I mean, they just got plaster this all over the place. But are they right? Is America, does America now have the best recovery? Well, yes. I'll bet that the next time KJP or the president takes any kind of questions of any kind on the economy, that Washington Post article is going to be right there, front and center. We've got the best recovery. And that's a pretty good political slogan in an election year. Yes, also helped by the fact that it is just plainly the truth. <laughs> so it's getting to the point where Republicans can no longer ignore reality, right? Which is why instead of denigrating the economy, get this, Donald Trump is now 
trying to take credit for it on social media, like from one day to the next, which of course is the Trump playbook. Anything bad that happens isn't his fault. Well, he deserves credit for anything good under his watch. It's something his press secretary noted when the first full jobs report of the Trump presidency was released. In the past, the president has referred to particular job reports as phony or totally fiction. Does the president believe that this jobs report was accurate and a fair way to measure the economy? Yeah, I I talked to the president prior to this, uh, and he said to quote him very clearly, they may have been phony in the past, but it's very real now. (laughs) Aha, very funny. Reality doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It's good when I say it. It, it, When I'm in, in power, it's made up when I'm not. Right? That's the whole thing. But this idea that Trump actually deserves credit for the Biden economy is just too ridiculous to reach most people. Honestly, like some hardcore partisans are going to be like, yes, it's a Trump stock market or whatever ludicrousness. But that's not going to work for most voters. That is why Republicans are simply trying to just change the subject. Change the subject. They love to talk about kitchen table issues and the price of eggs, all that stuff like six months ago now. No, they are reaching for their political safety blanket, which is called immigration. All right, folks, here's what's important. The charts are important, but also the truth and the narrative is important. Donald Trump goes out there and says all of the times that his economy was the best. The numbers say it didn't even come close. He didn't handle the COVID epidemic appropriately. The numbers prove that is a fact. He then says that If you eliminate the COVID portion of the economy, he is doing great. Well, as it turns out, the Biden economy, even though it isn't as broad based as it should be based on. Well, again, there are structural issues within our economic system that causes that problem, even though it isn't where it should be. It is vastly better than anything Trump could have ever dreamed of having. So for those of you who sit back and listen to the Trump rhetoric, try the truth. Try the charts. Try to take a look at reality and don't vote against your own interest. And that is so important. And you know, so I blame I blame the 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 democratic establishment for the People that they hire as consultants that probably never came to middle America, never came to Appalachia, never came to the barrios and or ghettos, but just stay up there and make a few phone calls and give suggestions. Go hug a few people. Go love a few people. And I'm not talking the ones with money. I'm talking about go, go into all these places and talk to these people. Go ahead and see what your tribulations really are. Let them see that you care. And then, in as much as the economy is booming as it really is, ensure that it booms for everybody. For everybody. And that can be done. That's what's missing. And that's not something you're going to get out of Trump. That is something you're going to get out of new people that you elect with a progressive notion that sees i believe in moving forward all right seems like brother brian is on the line brian come on in sir yeah uh i was just understanding what tucker carlson was saying about the great replacement Uh uh-huh and at first i thought you know that's impossible you know that that nobody's going to replace me uh i guess you haven't been to 
Joe V's on uh, Victory near uh, Shepherd 45. No, but I know you're going to tell me. Yeah, uh, I went in there about a month ago. And first thing I walked in, I couldn't get a cart. I said, okay, well, the place is busy because the parking lot is full. So I walk in, and yeah, it's, it's totally full. Except it was me, and I'm white, and one black man. That was it. The rest okay. of them were illegal aliens. Okay. How did you figure that they were, they were undocumented workers? Oh, it, it's very simple. The way they dress. Oh, mismatched, really? Mismatched uh, skirts. Yeah, mismatched skirts. Uh, uh, unwashed clothes. Uh-huh. Just generally just uh, not consistent with someone who has a, a constant job. Okay. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh I walked over to the man and, and he said, I notice you're, you're looking at these people. And I said, yeah, of course. I mean, I know now what it means to be a minority. And he said, yeah, they've, they've taken over uh, the food town over uh, on Gulf Bank also. It's the same thing. And we talked for a few minutes and he said something that I really didn't, I didn't know. Uh, Guitar Watkins walked us that district. That's I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Repeat, please. I misunderstood that last sentence. He said, Guitar Watkins walked this this property. And he also explained to me what Acres Homes was. Mm -hmm. And he said, the the Mexicans are coming in from out of country, buying up the property, building it up, and flooding the black people so they have to move. And I didn't, I didn't understand what he did. And I drove through DeSoto and down uh, Acres Homes, and then I, I, you can see it. It's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. They are flooding out the black people, and getting their property at a discounted price yeah. because it's been flooded, yeah. and they have now have to have insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me I let ask, me tell you. I ask any of the people that, yeah, I ask any of the people that's listening, just go to Acres Homes between. West Little York, Pinemont, Gulf Bank, and T.C. Jester, and see what the development is. All right, Brian. <laughs> first of all, let me let me just say that I I my by the way, look, Latinos are moving into everywhere, and and yes, those areas because they're inexpensive to live in, and they they are able to buy it because those people that are coming in are, are resourceful, and those that are in those areas are fairly old and at this point willing to starting to sell. Your property. So, I mean, here's the thing, um, uh, uh, Brian, and I, I want you to take these words that I'm going to tell you. I'm going to try to be as respectful as I can with the words. You know, you know where I'm from. But if if anybody listening to what you just said would have to say, "My God, Brian, you are a racist," hold on and don't comment. Let me finish here. Because of some, so many of the assumptions that you made, right? Uh, how people are dressed, what they look like. Uh, you didn't look at it from a socioeconomic point of view or anything like that. But you know what? That is what we have learned. The reason why I don't allow, uh, com- first of all, I want people to hear the commentary that you just gave. A lot of it, which there's a whole lot of truth into what you say as far as what's happening in Acres Home, what's happening. In, and, these, and for those that are in the international and national audience, those are uh, areas now that are predominantly black. It's areas that were predominantly white. Then we got white flight. So here it is. I have a white guy, my brother, Brian, 
who is defending a uh, talking to a black guy who when that black guy moved into the area that he's living in right now, all the white people ran out of. OK, so l- let's let's remember that, Brian. OK, so now here is the thing. Uh, notice how how great what Brian learned from Tucker Carlson about the great replacement theory works with how Brian feels when he goes into a place and now feels like a minority because he's no longer the majority there. And stay with me, Brian. I don't want you to leave. I want to make my point. Brian feels like a minority. That uh, yeah, but let me finish. You know, I gave you a whole long time to talk. You know that, brother. Come on. All right. So Brian feels like a minority. He's now around a lot of people that look different than he does, dress differently than he does. And that's a problem. My brother, this white guy now sees himself as a minority. And as opposed to saying, did anybody there attack him? Did anybody there look down at him or anything? Like- no, they didn't. They didn't. But he was no longer, you, Brian, was no longer that majority population. And you felt threatened. So what, what uh, uh, that Nimrod had to tell you uh, from this TV show, show suddenly makes sense to you. Brian, I only have 11 minutes and the phone just exploded. So here's what I'm going to do, Brian. We're going to tackle this subject and I'm going to make this the root subject tomorrow. And I want you to call first thing tomorrow and we're going to talk no, about no, this. Give me 30 seconds. No, no, I give can't me, give it to you. No, no, seconds. Brian, I got to let you go, but we're going to talk Enter tomorrow. I love you, brother. You got to go. You got to go. We'll talk tomorrow. Let's go to Derek. Come on in, Derek. Hey, quickly, Alberto. I just want to say uh, to the Democrats, this is February. We should not be sitting there going trying to figure it out now. Uh, you're absolutely right, brother. I, for the life of me, I don't know why they're not bringing up these points uh, about talking about the strength of the economy and everything. But I do know that, that, as I said once before, man, I do believe we do have some plants up in there in, the, in those plants. I believe they're in the very upper echelon. You are correct. You're having all this inactivity. Derek, Derek, I got to let you go, but you are yes, so sir. right, my brother. And that's what I talk about. These guys up that get the $10,000 and $20,000 per suggestion, which is what they yes. make. I can tell you some stories about us with Coffee Party, what we went through. You're correct about that. Let's talk about that. Uh, sort of bring that up tomorrow when, when Brian calls back. Because Brian, I want to Brilliant. expand on Brian because it's very important what he spoke about there. We'll talk. All right, Derek. Okay, bye. Thank you, brother. Let's go to Johnny. Come on in, Johnny, real quick. I got to uh, not give you too much time. Come on in, Johnny. I'll be really brief, which is unusual. <laughs> so this goes beyond racism with regards to our brother, Brian. It's more than racism. It's more than a visceral hatred, although it is partially visceral hatred. He's the same individual who on more than one occasion has referred to us here at the station, the listenership. As libtards. Yeah. That's how he's referred to us. So when he tells you the other day, a week or so ago, that he's about, con- I forgot how he framed the way he looks at it. Not contentious thinking, but um, I don't know. What Different, was his yeah. Alternative. Yeah. Alternative thinking or something? Yeah. No, no, that's a cover. That's just Republicans speak for. Now I'm going to lie my ass off with you. 
That's all I have to say. I'm so disgusted with it. Thank Bye. you, Mayor of Politics Done Right. I appreciate your call, my brother. Okay, Rafael, come on in, my friend. Benful, my brother. Just very quickly, I wanted to uh, thank you first um, for this very uh, valuable contribution, uh, the your show and, and all of your insight. Uh, the gentleman who was talking about uh, the area of uh, Acres Homes and Gulf Bank and Pinemont and Little York, I've lived here, right here. I'm driving through it now for almost uh, 20 years, 19 years. What a beautiful example of the transformation that can happen when we who are immigrants come and put down roots and work in collaboration with our African-American sisters and brothers and businesses begin to transform. We have uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry that man didn't know anything about the uh, Asian population that has uh, burgeoned here because, boy, we've got some great, beautiful um, uh, uh, diversity of just food and uh, art, everything. I invite him not to drive through. Come by and, and visit for a while. Talk, you know, not just with one person. Talk with a lot of people. Uh, there's no replacement going on. There's a lot of transformation. And that's a good thing. Thank you, Egberto. God bless you, my brother. Thank you, Rafael. I mean, that is so, uh, that is so insightful. And I, I think that is what, and, and, and let me just say something, Rafael. Whereas some people would just leave Brian B., I think for us to become that country that we want to be, that we claim to be, we have to have those willing to bring those along who still can be brought along. So that's the reason you see I do what I do. So thank you so kindly for those those comments that you made also about the area, my friend. All right, Harry, come on in. Yeah, well, I'm not going to comment on what Brian is saying. I, I like what you said I had on that last video. And like I was going to add to that, when I looked up something on Trump's economy from 2017 to 2019, and you're right, Eberto, he enjoyed Obama's coattails. The economy was continuing to go along, and about February of 2019, the economy started to slow down. Now that's, and then it collapsed when COVID happened. And as you said, Eberto, if um, when people, were, his advisor was telling him, "You've got to handle this COVID situation," and he was up there talking about it's just a common cold and all that. And then when it hit here in the shores of the United States, people started. We got on lockdown. A lot of people got sick and died. And it's because Trump didn't invest in five, uh, putting money for Pfizer and Moderna to get those vaccines out sooner, and he wouldn't listen to Dr. Fauci. But you're absolutely right about that. And then that economist that I was listening to last week was saying that the uh, debt was went through the roof under Trump. He didn't pay that, and there was those tariffs that they put. The money that they got from those tariffs, he used for the corporations. They didn't invest that into the economy and, and, and into the and for uh, common people. Just it just went on the rich, and those Trump's tax cuts uh, just were beneficial to the rich. And, and oh, yeah. Harry, and the one other thing that I want to oh, tell people and the tariffs help. on and the tariffs on China was nothing more than a tax on the average American citizen. But Harry, we're at a hard exactly. break right now and I got to transfer back that, to- That's um, what that economist was saying last week on NPR. It hurt the people on the low end. Right. Thank you, my brother. Harry, you keep listening. Keep telling right. people about our I'm, program. You have a I'm wonderful gonna, day, my friend. 
Hey, folks, uh, look, I, I, I do want to continue that conversation with Brian uh, tomorrow if he calls in. I'll have a show ready, but if he calls in, we'll be able to have that conversation because I think that is one of the very important things we have to tackle before this election. That replacement theory thing is possible. I mean, it's potent for a particular sect of white people that we need to nip in the bud so that they don't fall for that indoctrination but anyway let me throw it real quickly back to brother jack to for some closing comments and then we'll close this baby out hey jack well uh you know uh i tell you what i'm i'm seeing i'm seeing some change in brian a little bit you know i have to he's much he's much better better on air uh so you know and he he brings up he brings up that right-handed side you know, right. that we rail against. And so, I mean, he's, he's welcome here. Of course, that's who we are, Jack. That is who we are. We want everybody. We want to have the conversation with everybody and every night, you know, the other day he called and he said that I shocked him because he called and he made a statement and I'm like, okay, you're right. You know, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all about. Anyway, Jack, we got to get out of here, folks. Thank you, all the callers. Love you all. Thank you, all the listeners. Love you all. Thank you, Jack. Love you, brother. And as for Howard, we got to give a shout out to Howard, who's out there still helping us with the strings as he's away. Anyway, I got to get out of here. Uh, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Unright. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.